What excites me is to create something that doesn't exist and to create a company from an idea. That's extremely excited. Hello, and welcome to The Modern Hotel. You're presented by Stay Flexi, your all-in-one modern operating system for independent hotels. Each episode, we'll get to know an industry expert, and we'll discuss the latest trends in hospitality to help you, The Modern Hotelier. Welcome to The Modern Hotelier, presented by Stay Flexi. I'm your host, David. And I'm Steve Karen. Steve, who's on the show today? Yeah, David, today we have on Richie Karaburan. He is the clinical assistant professor at NYU, and he's also the director at the Tisch Center of Hospitality Innovation Hub. Welcome to the show, Richie. Thank you. My pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you. I'd love to get a little background about how you got involved at NYU and, you know, how did how did you get into teaching? Uh, that's a good question. I actually, I'm originally from Turkey and I moved uh, to the United States about 30 years ago. And I started as a management trainee in uh, Los Angeles and one of the tour operator. And I was in the industry for more than 25 years in different roles and managing travel companies. Seven years or about eight years ago, I was a guest lecturer in one of the NYU classes, and I loved it so much. And I started teaching as part-time, what we call this adjunct professorship. And uh, about five, six years ago, um, I've decided to pursue my PhD, uh, my doctoral degree in marketing. And then uh, the full-time role actually was open. I applied. And now about six years, I've been a full-time professor at NYU Tisch Center and hospitality school, uh, predominantly teach business development, entrepreneurship, and um, destination marketing classes. Awesome. Can you tell us more about the the innovation hub and the the incubator and, and, and what's going on there? And I've, I've been fortunate to be involved in, in two of the first pitches, but give us a little bit more insight into what, what goes on with that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. First of all, David, being one of our mentor um, in, in our club. So about two years ago, this is Idea Father, our dean, Dr. Nicholas Graff, was able to fund a, a nice funding. So most of the schools within NYU have their own incubator and innovation hub, and we didn't have one under hospitality. So we've actually started, we created an innovation hub, uh, experiential learning center, as well as an incubator program where I'm actually the director our first cohort was um, last fall. This is open to all NYU students and uh, our alumni as well, as long as their idea solves a hospitality problem. Because we have an hospital, uh, we, we are under hospitality school, there are two conditions. So uh, one, you have to be affiliated with NYU, whether a current student or a past student, or you have to have an idea that actually solves any hospitality problems. So we had great applications, and I created a mentors and investors club, and uh, David, you are part of it, all the executives and the veterans in the hospitality industry, venture capitalists. So we have about 35 members of mentors and investors, club members. And we've started applications. So application process, we currently have two cohorts for fall semester and a spring semester. So we completed our second semester, spring semester, where we had great application uh, applicants. And then our mentors and investors club select the winners. We generally get five or six uh, 
companies or ideas or teams for each semester for our incubator program, where we match them with the mentors and investors. So about three months, they do several meetings and the mentors like David actually are giving them ideas. So they are actually uh, preparing them for our pitch day at the end of each semester. So those applicants, uh, five or six companies, they do pitch day similar to Shark Tank structure where they have about eight minutes presentations. And then again, Dean Graf and I were completely out of it because they're our students, so we need to be completely neutral. So our mentors and investors, club members, they actually select the winner. And the winner gets $5,000, and the second and third place get $2,500. And they actually learn a lot from our, our mentors and investors club. And this has been very successful. So we've just completed our second cohort where we had great ideas. And I know sev- several of investors are already talking to some of the companies from the first cohort as well as the second cohort. And and then at the end of August, I'm going to be opening the applications for fall 2022, which is going to be our third cohort for the incubator program. So we're very excited about this. And finally, because we are, as it says, a school of professional studies, applicability down. So then whatever we teach them in entrepreneurship classes, they're able to actually apply and they create a you know, company from an idea And this has been very helpful for all of our students and our mentors and investors. They really love the experience and they're able to actually share their industry experience with our students. And so we are very lucky to have great mentors and investors club under this program. And you said the whole, the process takes about, it's a whole semester. Yeah, we actually, yeah, it is, it is a three months program. You know, there are some schools that have twice a year, six months program. There are some schools have Mm -hmm. three months program and including, you know, three different cohorts within a year. We do not do summer sessions because we know the mentors and investors are already busy and the vacation times. So we've decided to do this in twice a year, one in fall semester, one in spring semester. So that actually goes very well. And we have to be mindful of our mentors and investors club because they are doing it completely uh, voluntarily and they're not getting paid and they do this for the goodness of their hearts. So we are very, very appreciative of our mentors and investors club. So yes, we do that at three months program. So then within three months, uh, they are actually meeting with once or twice a week a month. And then they actually arrange the calls and we are in contact. So they're really preparing them to the final step, which is the pitch day where they actually be choose the winners. David, maybe maybe you can talk about this as well. Uh, what kind of, what goes into that mentorship of of these you know of of the participants? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I try to take it from the startups I've had and try to look at you know how they position their their company. Do they do they know what the competitors are? Have they built out a model to show that how they're going to get the profitability? If they raise money, how are they going to use those funds? And then also just making sure that it's it's professional. You know, it's no knock on some of the students, but some, you know, the, the, the age ranges vary too from the people that are participating. Some have already been in business. Some are really just in school or just, you know, haven't really had real full-time jobs. So I think the mentoring really just helps, you know, take that look. What have, what have I learned from having companies run companies and going out and trying to raise capital? Because all these companies, they're really early, early, you know, seed needing to raise capital. They're not you know, they're not, they haven't been at this. So 
for me, it's been great because it's it's always good to kind of be able to help help young people. Um, I didn't have that when I started my company. So we had to go out and figure out and hire advisors. I didn't have any means to, to just get some free advice. So I think it's been mutually you know, beneficial for both parties. And, and Richie, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to hijack this thing, <laughs> but you Thanks. mentioned you, uh, it's hospitality companies that are involved in this. Are there any specific types of companies inside of hospitality? Is it technology? Is it you know, retail, what type of companies are all coming in here? You know, hospitality, good old days, whenever we say hospitality, it used to be only hotels, right? So, and now we change, right? So now in the year 2022, when we talk about hospitality, that actually includes anything tourism related, hotels, alternative accommodation, food and beverage, hospitality technology, uh, you know, even alternative accommodations. We had ideas like camp snack. So it's just really old anything. And that's what I love it, right? Everything can be related to hospitality. And because we have a very broad uh, definition, so Andreas company is a drinks company. So food and beverage yeah. is a big part of it. And we have a last year's winner, last cohort's winner was Kanta Ramen, which is actually kind of a, a ramen place where you can actually a vending machine for a ramen food. So you can get your hot ramen wow. in 45 minutes. So this is also, and it's great for the you know hotels. It's great for the campuses. So it just really, uh, we have anything with the go, go gigs, like kind of like Uber of um, housekeeping services. So it's just really very broad, anywhere from the hospitality technology, specifically food and beverage, alternative accommodation, and we haven't had any any types of cruise businesses or airlines. So we're really open because it just really, it's a whole stakeholder business within hospitality is very large. So I am really looking forward to seeing new ideas for our next spring 20, fall 2022 uh, cohort. So we've had, we've had two winners so far. What do you think, when, when, when you look at those winners, are there some common traits with the presentations or the go-to-market strategy, and what do you what do you think personally? If you were talking to someone or a company or a founder who was looking to join and, and be part of the next uh, the fall uh, session, what would you what type of traits do you think are are common amongst winners? You know, you mentioned David in the beginning is professionalism, right? Um, some of yeah. our um, participants are so young, right? This is just their right. this is just their idea. Some they really worked on it. Now, some of uh, our uh, students are coming straight from the classes from entrepreneurship or design thinking classes and and prepare that. Some they are further along, and then they really know the business. There's two common denominators. One, it's a passion. Uh, they really believe in it. They actually did the prototypes and everything. It's a little advanced than the others, and they know the business. They actually also, what I'm hearing from uh, the mentors, is that those two winners, they really know how to use their resources very well. They are prepared for uh, the meetings before the mentors and investors meeting. They know how to network. They know how to work. And they really follow the directions from the mentors. Right. And, and that really completes. Uh, and they're committed fully rather than having just a side job or side project. So that's basically it. Commitment, passion, and ability to use your resources. I would say those three skill sets that they differentiate them. And, and at the end, um, 
Uh, those are two clear winners based on the evaluation on the uh, pitch days. And we have those videos as well. So we actually always videotape that so that people can actually see the differences in the presentations, as David say, says, from professionalism to actually delivering the ideas on time, which they only have eight minutes. Yeah, and I'll say my experience in this, the last pitch, you know, unfortunately, um, the woman I was helping with the, the local hotel didn't win, but I did feel that from the first meeting to even the pitch, she was much more buttoned up, defined. She she had everything thought out much better from you know early on to when she pitched. Again, she didn't win, but I did think that I'll say that, and maybe it was also the mentors their second time around, but it felt like the pitches this last time were much, not better, but they were more well-defined than the, the first round. That was just my observation. No, you, you're right, right? I mean, again, this is a phenomenal opportunity, right, for all our students. Uh, whether sure. they win or not, they're already winners. As soon as they are able to get into our incubator program, they are the winners. To be able yeah. to talk to people like you, David, or people like from Google or from uh, Venture Capitalist, yeah. and this is a huge opportunity. And, and normally, many students around the country or around the world, they don't get that chance. They don't for uh, sophomore students to be able to talk to a venture capitalist and to be able to talk to a industry veteran like David. And this, you can't get this with money. And, and then you learn from the meetings, whether they are the true you know, winners at the end of the pitch day. I always tell them they're the winners. As soon as they made it to our incubator program, that's an experience that they are never going to able to forget. Whether they actually pursue many of them, you know, I think I would say 50-50. Uh, we are too early, right? But I really think a couple of them are not going to pursue. But the learning experience is going to stay with them. And winners definitely pursuing, not only with the money, the exposure that they get to both mentors. And we have uh, many investors in our mentors and investors club yeah. that they are talking. So, Overall, this is really working exactly. Their business plan, I teach entrepreneurship class, right? Within 14 weeks, we're actually teaching them how to write a uh, uh, business plan and business canvas, business model canvas. So they're applying what they learn and, and it, it actually really completes the circle. That's what I'm yeah. really excited. And I always, I'm thankful to our Dean, Dr. Graf, is I always say this is the idea, Father, this would never happen if Nicholas didn't really push the boundaries, found the funding, $1.5 million, really converted our entire seventh floor of our uh, building to a co-working space. And I, I wish next time maybe we'll do a live from our uh, incubator. <laughs> this is really like we created yeah. like a mini Regis, mini WeWork um, for all of them, they can use that as an office. They can create a meeting space. And uh, so they don't have to really rent an office in New York. This is their co-working space. That's awesome. That is awesome. It, so it, maybe this is a question for both of you. David, uh, what's your favorite part about being a mentor? And Richie, what's your favorite part about this whole process? I'll let you go first, Richie. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I throughout my career, I was fortunate enough to work for a startup company, an Israeli company, for four years. We were able to raise about $15 million. And when I left, uh, we hired. So we really did created an idea. We create a company from an idea. So what excites me is to create something that doesn't exist. 
and they to create a company from an idea that's extremely excited and and along the way the learning process and i mean i have my mba and my phd i always say my four years within startup it's equal to an mba plus phd all the experiences and meeting with investors and and i think most exciting thing for me to see the students' learning process, and for them to apply what we teach them in business development classes and entrepreneurship classes and strategy classes, and then to see the pitch day, that just kind of like a dream come true. Again, whether they they win or not, that whole experience, that's really exciting. And I think for me, it's funny because we're starting this podcast. You know, I've talked to some people and I said one of the, I think the best compliments is when somebody says, that's a really good question. So you know you've kind of st- struck something with the guest. For me, through this process, it's been, you know, when you talk to the students and they say, they go, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. And then they start writing down or, oh, they say, oh, I didn't think about that. Or that's an interesting angle. So for me, that's where you feel the impact because you know that, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> we're the older guys on the podcast, but we've got the years of experience. So we've seen, made the mistakes, you know, and, and we know how things work. So for me, when I hear the students say that and start taking notes or you know, that's where I'm saying, well, OK, I'm making an impact because this is something that my 20 plus years of experience is going to cut down a mistake and eliminate them from from making a mistake that they would have made if they hadn't had a conversation with me. So that's that's kind of what the cool, cool part for me is. And and I had a, I, I worked with a startup in college, too, and I'm just thinking how valuable this would have been. I, for me growing up, yeah. like I would love to have a David Malilli in my corner you know, maybe 15 years ago, <laughs> that would be great. So I just think it's so cool with what you're doing. And I, I, I'm a huge fan. So I look forward to having many conversations about how things are going in the future as well. Definitely. So before we uh, ask you to tell us who the Tisch Center Hospitality Innovation Hub winner is, we'd like to thank you, Steve and I from the Modern Hotelier for allowing us to be part of this. Stay Flexi also thanks you. And, and I look forward to to working with the next group of students in the fall. So with that, is there anything you'd like to share before you announce who the winner was? You can plug away anything at NYU, anything we should know about that's coming up with you personally or with the, with the school? Oh, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for this great opportunity. So we're trying to get as many applications as possible. So the uh, the programs like that hopefully will get us more applicants from our NYU community. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. And then, then stay tuned. There are many, many more things are coming up. And we've just completed NYU Investment Conference in New York. That's one of our biggest uh, events. And uh, we are actually actually designing uh, new uh, classes. And I just came from uh, Tel Aviv, NYU Tel Aviv, and where we actually teach student destination marketing on the spot. So it's there are a lot of exciting learning opportunities. And we are also working on Metaverse. That's a new upcoming yeah. event. Maybe we'll just do that in Metaverse uh, next time. So I wonder how it would actually uh, be. But I am actually trying to design a uh, metaverse class within, not about metaverse, a destination marketing class in metaverse, how we can enhance the learning. It's just really not a Zoom class. It is, uh, you know, we're all learning. Uh, as Einstein say, uh, by the time you stop learning, you start dying. So we always want right. to actually keep on learning. So with that, stay tuned with our efforts at NYU. So this year we had great applicants and uh, the the winner is Chiksa, 
Andrea Garrido and Austin Neri uh, are two students. They graduated from NYU. They were clear winners. So Tixa was the cocktail company. It's a ready-to-drink. I know it's a competitive industry, but the cocktails are made with all the natural ingredients with Mexican rum. And during the pitch day, they were able to bring samples. And I loved it. In fact, I'm going to be ordering uh, that for my next party. And this is a low sugar, low calories, excellent flavors. So they were very well prepared and they were clear winner from all mentors and judges. And again, mentors and investors become judges uh, during the pitch day. So the clear winner was Chixa, Andre and Austin. I congratulate them and I would love to see them grow and see their products in, you know, places like Whole Foods and the many different retailers. And and I think their dream is becoming true. So uh, congratulations to all. Thank you. Congratulations. Hello, Andrea. It's nice to meet you. How are you doing today? Hi, Steve. I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. Welcome to the show. So to kick things off, I'd like to know a little bit more about you. So uh, where you're from, what your background is, anything like that? Yes. um, I moved to the States when I was 12. I'm originally from Colombia. I was raised in Orlando and I've been living in New York for about eight years. Wow. Wow. How how was that for a change from moving to Colombia to Orlando to now to uh, New York? Yeah. So it was Orlando. It's, it's, it was a great city to, to grow. I went to UCF as undergrad. Actually, my first job out of college was being an accountant analyst for SeaWorld. That was, I guess, my first step into the hospitality (laughs) industry. As you know, Orlando is a big hospitality city. It revolves around hospitality. I decided I wanted to move more of my career into financial services. And in 2014, I just started selling everything. I said, I'm moving to New York, got a job at a bank. And here we are eight years later. And after you sold everything, you were able to afford like one month's rent with all that, right? Everything. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Everything for sure. Penthouse. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And and then now, uh, since you're in New York, you've started uh, a company called Chiksa. Is that correct? Yes. I started Chiksa as of last year with my co-founder, Austin, who he's not able to join. He, He apologized for this. He's currently at work. We met in September through the NYU Entrepreneurship Center, and we started working on this idea out of, I first kind of started having a frustration within the alcohol industry, the popularity of the strings uh, such as White Claw, Truly, and seeing these beverages pick up and promote the low calories, but then you look at the back of the label and the ingredients are actually not as good for you as you think. So being such a health conscious person myself, I just started to find ways to how could you drink healthier? And I just remember this old family recipe that was used that my mom taught me that it was passed on from my grandma to my mom. And then the story is essentially how this was how indigenous tribes back in the day used to drink before the conquistadors came. So it was a very low alcohol beverage. It's made out of pineapple skins, water, unrefined sugar, ginger, and spices. And the ABV is so low, it's it's about 
4.5%. So we, we were able to mix it with rum just to get that 4% level and put it into a cocktail. And then you have your first culture cocktail. That's how we want to call ourselves. And we're at 90 calories and only 10 grams of sugar. Wow, that's awesome. And now you mentioned your co-founder. Was there something that, you know, stuck out about Austin that you two really clicked to kind of be co-founders or how did you how did that happen? I guess we both click um we first met through the entrepreneurial center and it was the frustration I kind of posted on a Slack through the NYU Entrepreneurship Center. Hi, I'm working on this idea for a low, ready-to-drink cocktail with all natural ingredients based on a South American recipe. It's known as tepache, and he's from Mexico. And this is actually a very popular drink on Mexico. You can find it at any corner street. They actually sell it in kind of like in a bag with a straw, and you just drink it to refresh yourself because... Wow. <laughs> so so he's Mexican and um, so it was kind of like, okay, he understood the product very well and he was also frustrated with the options in the market today and that's how we kind of bonded and we've been working together ever since. And this was the second uh, pitch from the NYU incubator. Did you, were you a little intimidated by joining it? I mean, coming in with a beverage and, you know, a lot of times you, when you think of incubators, you think technology or you know an app or something how was how was just the whole process and was it intimidating when you, so, you first joined i would say not intimidating but it was exciting because we have been having a bit of a hard time to find places where we can actually have the opportunity to voice out this idea and right. and bring it or like raise our voice because a lot of investors today want to invest on the next big platform for, I don't know, NFTs or what's going to be the next iPhone app. And we're just right. a beverage that we do have a website online and we're planning to sell direct to consumer, but we're, we're not per se a technology company. So that's not the first thing that investors are looking for. So we more than, I wouldn't say intimidated, we were ex- extremely excited for, for this door that just opened. And we, we gave it our all. We kind of prepare our pitch presentation as this was with a VC in San Francisco or New York or any investor that was going to, we presented as we were going to raise a million dollars. I've been you know, fortunate enough to be on, uh, be a mentor. I was not your mentor. I was with one of the other companies. You guys definitely had, I, I think, the best presentation visually and kind of the story. But you know, I think it was a really smart move to give out uh, samples of an alcoholic <laughs> beverage in a competition. So I have to give you credit there. So maybe you can elaborate on who came up with that idea to give out the, so, uh, the samples. Um, it was sort of, we do have uh, an in-house chef that has helped us with the taste tasting. And I was having brunch with him and he goes, so Andrea, like, are you, are you bringing samples? And I just told him, well, you know, I haven't even done my first run. Like, how am I going to bring samples? And he's like, well, ask, right. ask your lab. They're going to probably have that available for you. And we asked them and yeah, they did. It was quite expensive. But at the end of the day, Austin and I made the decision that, you know, when it's a consumer product, people want something that is tangible and that you can see it. Because then at the end of the day, it's like, what are you trying to sell me if you don't show it to me? 
this was kind of the thought that Austin and I had. And we were like, okay, let's do it. And well, it's a low ABV. Nobody's going to get drunk out of just a sip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was funny because all of us who were remote were like, damn, we should have went to New York. What are we doing here? We we were asking how many people are attending. We were planning to get all the samples out. We we brought even extra cups. But but yeah, it seemed it all worked out. We brought just enough samples. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. So have you always wanted to own your own company or have you always wanted to have a, do a startup or it, did this just kind of, you know, the passion kind of met the career and now here we are? I would say, yes, I have always wanted to own a startup. Did I ever mm-hmm. see myself in the, within the hospitality industry? No. The idea just started... Like about three years ago, I was just reading about the beverage industry and I was thinking, well, I enjoy working out. I enjoy having a healthy lifestyle. Uh, What is one of the basic things that we need every day? It's like water. Okay. Like I want to maybe start like a water company. So I started kind of reading about the beverage industry and that's how I been studying it. But I didn't have a good idea until kind of the light bulb hit me, you know, you sometimes try to complicate things and they're like right in front of you, right? I just happened to remember after reading for three years, essentially last year, I remember my mom's recipe and the story of how this drink is. And it was, okay, I have to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. And at that moment, was it like, I need to test out like how to make this drink and what to do? Is that kind of the next step? Yes. So we... I started like having this idea around August and then I I just started like taste tasting with friends. This was before I met Austin. And then I just started doing it in my kitchen. Very artisanal, very, hey, just try this, hope you don't die sort of thing. (laughs) 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 Um, I will try it myself too. So plenty of um, have not gone blind. So plenty of, <laughs> of taste tasting myself. And after a month, I was able to get the exact like sugar levels that I wanted, the exact level of like what I could wow. do it to the point that, you know, this taste, this is the good taste. And this is something that I could present to the market. And funny enough, as I was doing a taste tasting with friends at a bar in New York, it's called, it's a restaurant bar. It's called Ribalta. The manager walks out and he says, what are you guys doing? And my friend goes, oh, we're trying her beverage. And he goes, may I try it? And yeah, bring a cup. He was like, this is great. Um, May I have a little bit and take it to my bartender? And here we are now. They have been our customer since October. And um, (laughs) they are using it as a mixer because it is... It has quite a unique, different taste and it's it's just like refreshing and it's just like a new flavor that they can add to their cocktail line. Sure, sure. So both you and Austin, have either of you done startups before? Have you ever done a startup I or has Austin done a startup? I did one, but it did not go well. I actually did a site on Rate Your Manager <laughs> a long, long time ago. Long, long, long time ago. <laughs> I guess back then I had just recently moved to New York and it was just um, 
an idea that I have out of obviously a frustration. Right. But then I, I didn't do enough research. I mean, now if I do it again, I would do it a little bit different now that I know about businesses and like yeah. how you need to do the approach, your test to market. I would have done more like tests within my friends. Would they even use this? Because one of the things I realized um, was not even my friends were going into the side. And it was because a lot of managers don't have that many direct reports. So you don't want to burn that right. bridge. <laughs> so people are just afraid right. completely of just going out <laughs> yeah. there and um, rate their manager. So I closed the company. I had it open for like six months. I was doing like a blog into like how to interview in order to get traction, like what how to know who are you working for, how to test, like, because people don't know this, but like, essentially when you're interviewing for a job, it's like you're going on a date, right? You want to know if they're a perfect fit for you and if you're a perfect fit for them. Sometimes you're so afraid of it to ask those questions that you just think that, oh, I'm just having the opportunity to interview and this is it. But I don't think you should think like that. And a lot of people early on their careers um, have that mindset. Right. And that's when you make your, mis your mistakes of ending at the job that you don't want. So that was kind of my whole frustration. And I wanted to help with that. That was the one time that I actually did something and like created a company, did a startup and that did not go well, as we know. <laughs> and now I have dabbled into the beverage industry and it's something that I'm falling in love every day. It is tough. It's not an easy route, but I do enjoy, in general, just hosting people, just talking to people. So I do think that this is a fit with me, with my personality. So, and Austin, on his end, he's actually an investor for a few beverage brands. So awesome. he has never done the startup route himself. So for the, for him to actually take on this opportunity and and join and be more hands-on. It's a bit different, but he does have experience into looking at brands and just investing. So awesome. Awesome. I, I can imagine, especially in the past like couple of years, I feel like the the alcoholic beverage space has even blown up even more. It's not just beer, wine, and liquor. It's your seltzers, your, you know, everything else that's out there. What's been your biggest challenge so far? Has there been something that's come up where it's been really tough, but at the end was a really great learning lesson? Yeah, funny enough. I mean, the biggest challenge, and I think, you know, this is for any beverage within the alcohol space will be distribution. Unfortunately, you need a distributor, even if you're selling online, um, you need the right permission and you need to have that through a distributor. Otherwise, you know, by law, you are not allowed to sell this directly. There's only seven states that you're actually allowed to sell alcohol directly online without a distributor. But then, you know, those seven states um, are not going to be your whole market. New York is not one of them. So here we are. I would say that's our biggest challenge. Um, you know, beverage overall, is a, it's a hard industry. And then you add the component of making those relationships with the distributors for them to take you on board. It's quite the challenge. So actually, we decided after our experience at the incubator that we wanted to take more ownership of our distribution. And we did have a non-alcoholic cocktail in the lines uh, that we were going to launch before. I mean, after we 
we're going to launch after we did the alcoholic route. But now we're thinking of doing the non-alcoholic first and then launching the alcohol later. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that would build more brand awareness with the non-alcoholic and then the alcoholic version is going to come in later and more fun. Yes. Yes. That's that's (laughs) essentially what we're planning to do, especially we were already at low ABV. So we're, Mm -hmm. we're hitting that no, no low market basically. And we also see this as an opportunity. People are drinking at home. Still, there's not good mixers out there. So this is an opportunity for people to have a mixer. This is how the bartender at Ribalta is using our drink as a mixer. So we're going to create like a cocktail of recipes uh, for people to do online. So it's also a way for us to engage um, with not only make relationships with people in, in the industry, but also with consumers directly that want to just drink at home, stay at home and make a fabulous cocktail. So. Absolutely. That's that's what we're going to do in the next few months. And it's definitely going to speed our launch date. Was there a moment during this process that you were like, maybe it was a win or something that happened where you're like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Like it kind of sold you on not only the industry, but the product. And you're like, this is this is what I want to go after. Yes, I would say um, that validation I got from that manager that just saw us doing a taste test and walking out and saying, this is so different. What is it? Because obviously it's a different flavor. It tastes good, but nobody knows what's in it. It's like, what's in it? (laughs) (laughs) And um, that was a a big validation because it's, it's just a complete outsider, not a friend that knows me and that's willing to try it because I'm saying, hey, this is actually, you're not going to die from it. Like, (laughs) 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 this was just a complete outsider who decided to try it. And then he was like, hey, let me bring my bartender. That was my moment that I was up to something. And it gave me that fuel to keep going. And I would say the second uh, validation was being able to present at the NYU Hospitality Incubator and being able to place first on a CPG brand. Like I think, you know, the other businesses were very great and they were more technology driven and within the hospitality industry. So for us to be in like a beverage brand and being in the consumer space, that that gives us a lot of the push that we're continue to go full force. Yeah. One of the things I liked about your presentation, and if you can share with us your branding, maybe show us the can and maybe just talk us through how you came up with that branding and and uh, I, I just thought it was beautiful from a visual, from seeing it, it was very, um, it awesome. just, it just can, it, it looked beautiful. On yeah. The so this is a prototype. Um, so we have this bird and um, the name Chicksaw actually. So the name is, uh, it's just plain me with words. In South America, Tepache is called right. Chicha actually. And I just, didn't want when people would Google chicha to just confuse it. Tepache is more known here right. in the States, given that, you know, we're so close to Mexico. So I decided to have chicha because it does keep that essence of South America. And we're calling it, you know, this is our, this flavor is the pineapple. So it's chicha rum tepache cocktail. 
What what are the other two flavors? We Didn't do. You have two we others, have I think uh, mango and guava. We developed three flavors. So we are using essentially flavors that are very unique. Obviously, you know, people in the States are very familiar with pineapple. This is, uh, the guava is actually a pink guava. So that fruit is more from South America. So we're trying to also keep kind of bringing bold flavors into the market because consumers just want to try different things these days and they're open to things that are healthy and we just want to be that different brand that just introduces something with a new lifestyle and yeah. Well, once I can get it in Phoenix, I'll, <laughs> that's what will be in my cup uh, when I do the podcast. So just a, a little heads up. If, if you see a podcast in a couple months, yeah, no, I'll, I'll send you there. samples as soon as we do our first run, which we're hoping okay. it's going to be in August. Awesome. Do you think this is going to be like a newer trend that we're going to see these drinks that maybe, you know, obviously you're familiar with this, but like me being from Wisconsin, probably not as much, you know, <laughs> are, are we going to see these trends as more of like these international drinks making their presence in the United States and kind of building up different types of drinks like this, you think? I think you will. I mean, the the population, obviously Hispanic population, it's, it's one of the highest growing. So I, I think yeah. you will. And the fact that Mexican food, you know, even if you live in Wisconsin or Kansas, yeah. everybody enjoys Mexican food. Everybody go, loves good tacos. So I do think um, you're going to see more this within the next years of people wanting to try new brands. I mean, one of my big first validations, which I would say was when I had the aha moment, was when I went onto YouTube and I just uh, typed in tepache. You see renowned chefs in the U.S. making their tepache in the kitchen to just make cocktails. Or So this, this is kind of what gave me that aha moment. And funny enough, our co-packer, when I was telling him what I wanted to do, he was like, oh, I just made some at home the other day. And I actually added rum. That's, funny. <laughs> so. That's so funny. Do you only add rum or do you, can you add different alcohols so as well? So this is one other reason we decided to launch, start with our non-alcoholic launch. Because you it goes well with tequila, vodka, rum, pisco. So it's good flavors that mix well. They blend well with... With alcohol. And actually, when you're the good thing about this this beverage, the tapache, is that once you mix it with any alcohol, you don't feel that strong right. alcohol flavor. So I mean you might end up drinking more than you want to, but that's great. The warning that's, is here. We yeah. got it. <laughs> so I guess, you know, for, for us kind of in, in closing. Yeah, you know, what's next for Chicksa? Like, what are you guys? When you you've given us a little, you know, a little bit of the 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 idea of you know going for more of the the mixer than the alcoholic beverage. But what else? Where where do you see it? You know, I, I know people ask that question. Where do you see yourself or your company in two three years? But what what's next for you guys? For you and Austin? So next for Austin and I, we're finishing our seed round, and um, so open for conversations okay, guys sure. you know someone <laughs> and um we're gonna do our first run in august and then we're planning to launch our non-alcohol version to sell directly to consumers in august 
and then start a conversation with an alcohol company that we can partner up to do the rum one. Because we do see right now, I mean, if you look at all these new seltzers that are putting alcohol, they're all tequila-based. And I mean, the, the, the one dominating the vodka space is High Noon. I would say tequila, Onda, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but there's not a rum right now dominating that portion. And there are some big rum fans out there. So we don't want to let those feel disappointed that <laughs> their demands are not being met. So we do have the recipe for the rum and we're planning to launch that too within the and next definitely have uh, to connect years. it to uh, so. food and beverage guy in Los Angeles. I'll do that offline. But so... This is really, we're, we're kind of at the end. We really appreciate it. We really want to congratulate you, but we also want to give you a moment to plug away, tell us how we get updated, where should we be looking to find out more information, anything you wanted to tell us that we didn't cover today? Well, to keep on the loop, we do have a site, uh, okay. com. We do have our Instagram. Right now, we're we're finishing our branding, so that's kind of, what we're going to do actually all of June, we're going to start doing the photo shoot and being more active in social media. And we're going to start handing out new recipes for cocktails. So keep keep you guys updated on that. Great, great, great cocktail menu will be sent right. out to you guys and we'll make you part of uh, our yeah, mailing you, like, list. Steve and so. I've already talked about it. You need taste testers, anything, awesome. you know. Uh, Anything with alcohol in it, Steve <laughs> yeah. and I you know, have, have agreed that we'll 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 take we'll do it. We know it's going to be difficult, but we'll actually, <laughs> you know, help in that department. But uh, again, congratulations! Like I said, I really thought you guys um, you deserve the victory, as they say. I think you guys really did a great presentation. If there's any way Steve and I can help in the future, please let us know. But that is the end of this episode of the Modern Hotelier, presented by Stay Flexi. We thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you soon. You made it to the end of The Modern Hotelier. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. The Modern Hotelier is produced by Make More Media and presented by Stay Flexi. Stay Flexi is your modern operating system for independent hotels. If you're interested in learning more about Stay Flexi, you can go to stayflexi.com. Or if you'd rather talk to me instead, feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn or email me at steve.karen at stayflexi.com. Thanks and have a great day.